Well, it's great to be with you today. Uh, just to, uh, to let you know, I'm, if you're visiting, I'm not Andy. He's got more hair than I've got. Uh, and, uh, and you are blessed above all to have Andy Stoddard as your pastor here. Uh, Andy and I have been friends for over 20 years. Uh, he even followed me in one of my appointments uh, at, at, at his probably his first real, you know, full-time appointment or close to it. Uh, we've been friends for years. He is a natural encourager. He is a lover of people, and he is a lover of Jesus, and it is all over him, uh, and we are blessed. And I'm honored that, that Andy asked me to come and to uh, fill in today in this service while he preaches in the contemporary service. Uh, to just, and let me tell you about me before we get into to everything. Uh, I was born and raised in Neshoba County, and my story is connected to somebody else's story, just like your story is. You know, we're all a product of, of a story. And my story started in 1972 when my father had a radical uh, Pauline-type conversion through a lay witness mission, uh, if you remember those that came through. Uh, and he was saved during that time, and he, he prayed that he could have one child that he could raise up in a Christian home. He had three that before that he felt like he missed out on. At that same time, my mother was found with ovarian cancer, and the doctors uh, said that, you know, that she, you know, she was having, you know, she had ovarian cancer and there was nothing they could do, and through a lot of prayer and, uh, and blessing of the Lord, she was healed from that. And in 1974, I came along. Uh, so that's, that's part of our, of our story. And my father was my best friend. Uh, he's been in heaven since 1999, and, and he loved Thanksgiving because my whole family would get together, so I can't look at these trees and not be reminded about my old pop uh, that I called him uh, growing up. And so it's, a, it's an honor to be with you. I also have a connection to St. Matt's. I, I also serve in the United States Army as a chaplain, and I have deployed twice to the Middle East uh, for two long-term deployments, but one of them was with a guy by the name of Dennis J. Stewart who is in the St. Matt's Choir, one of my faithful Methodist chapel followers that we had while we were deployed together. So it, so it is a great honor to be with you. Proverbs 27, 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. And that's why you come. And for those who are, are watching online, that's why we gather together in a place like this. It's not right and it's not good for us to be separated one from each other. We sharpen one another. It's through the Holy Spirit's work within us that, that we are challenged and transformed. Proverbs 4.23 says that we guard our heart above all else for it determines the course of our life. Why? Because Jesus spoke about that most of all. Jesus said that it was the heart that you and I would find that would be in danger. And if our heart ends up in a very dark place, then our choices and our actions and the way that we love and, and how we love one another is not reflective of the grace of Jesus. Today, though, we're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. And this is what it says. It said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. For let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which extends, exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as, the, as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. For everything you heard from me and saw me doing 
then the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I cannot come to a day like this knowing that we're headed into Thursday. And Thursday is an exciting day, isn't it? You know, uh, some of you have already made your preparations. You've got, you've got everything that, that you wanted. You cleaned out Walmart before Walmart was even ready for it. I, you know how I know? Because I went too and you'd already got all the stuff. There was nothing left. Yeah. We're ready for that. You got friends and family that are coming together. Maybe it's a time for you just to relax and to gather. Or maybe some of you are like Andy and I, who on Thursday will find ourselves pitted against each other in a little egg bowl that's going to be uh, coming up. Maybe, that, maybe that's exciting. All of that, that kind of joy. What I wanted to share with you, though, from Philippians, and we quote this quite often. You know, we use Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, and we say to ourselves, we say, you know, uh, this is great. Be thankful about all of this that's happening in our life. But what we miss is, is that what's happening in the church at Philippi is that they are at odds with one another. They are, there's division in the midst of this, of this church. There's an uncertainty. There's a lack of peace. And this great problem that the church of Philippi has is that it's in danger of falling into division. They're going to pick sides, and they're going to figure out which side that they're going to be on. And Paul pauses. And in a very unique way to the way that Paul writes, and the way that Paul preaches, and the way that Paul teaches, he stops for a moment and he says, and he doesn't just target one group of people. He doesn't say, okay, you're right and you're wrong. Now, we know Paul will do that, don't we? Paul will do that in a heartbeat. He'll call somebody out and say, hey, you know, you're not standing on truth. Remember what was taught of old. But he does it completely different. He begins to focus them in on this idea of being thankful. So when people are rallying around these two ideas, when there's uncertainty, when there's this danger, that whatever happens to the church at Philippi can transcend time, what Paul says for us to do is to approach it in a way into which we remember all the things that we should be thankful for in relationship with one another. And we don't do that enough, do we? It shouldn't be just one time of year. We are a community of faith. We are designed by God to be connected with one another, with people who are not followers of the way, and you remember that. We have to be in relationship with people who are not followers of the way. Because that's how, that's how we influence. That's how we're in relationship. I've had the great privilege of being in the army. And I've been around people who are not followers at all. I've been around atheists and agnostic, which is a really fancy word for atheists. And, and a whole bunch of different belief structures. And the one thing I've learned is that people are hungry and they long for something more. And you and I say that we have that, right? You and I say that the Jesus that we follow can transform lives. And for that to happen, we have to be united together in that cause and that purpose, no matter what's going on in the world. And if you turn on your television and you read the newspapers and you get online and whatever, there's many days you will look at it and just try to turn it off and say, I've got to be disconnected from, from this. And the reason is, is because we sometimes buy into all that's going on around us. And we listen to Paul saying, time out, you've got to pause. Take this moment in your life to focus in on what unites us most. Put aside the quarreling and let our hearts and minds focus on the greatness of God and how wonderful he has been to all of us. We have to understand that thankfulness. 
And Paul says that if we understand that, and I like to call them promises because it's what it really sort of seems like to me, he says, then God's going to do something for you in such a way that your life will be completely different. And the first thing that Paul told him was, he said that the, the promise is this, that there's going to be a touch in your life of the mark of the supernatural. Yeah, the supernatural is going to, to touch us. Uh, we don't talk enough about the work of the Holy Spirit anymore. You know, about how God can do what we cannot do, where God can be where, where we cannot be, and how we can be surrounded by that, how we can feel that in our hearts. There was a time when we were called shouting Methodists. Did you know that? Yeah. Now, my family can shout, but usually at each other. I don't think that's what they meant in that process. But we were shouting Methodists because, uh, because we had something to share into the world, because something was moving within us, something that Paul referred to it that passes all understanding. Isn't that amazing? That's what he says. You know, passes all understanding. And I hope you've experienced that in your life before. I've been with people who had, they would receive diagnosis of, of cancer or some disease where they didn't have long, and you could tell when that peace just came over them, and they were like, okay, you know, okay. I'll never forget, I've shared it with my family many times that uh, when I was in Iraq that first time, I ended up in a situation to where, you know, I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out, you know. And you think about things. I thought about my wife and my boys, and uh, I had uh, one I just left, uh, Tracy. She was expecting our third child when uh, I, I got overseas. And I can remember all that, and I want you to know, folks, that's real. That peace is real. There was a peace and a calm that came over me that it was like, it's going to be all right. Either way. It's good, you know. The Lord is good to us. Now, this does mean here that it's not something mysterious. It's not, it's not something that's incomprehensible in its own right. It's, it's that our human experience cannot explain it, nor can we explain it away. And we've all had that in our lives' journeys as we walk with Jesus. Because in our most difficult situations, God has a way of working in our hearts beyond how we can explain or comprehend and how we can even share. We just know that God has been in the midst of it. Our faith is that way. Our faith is marked by that. We listened in our gospel this morning as John remembered and as he shared with us that when Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate could not understand. Are you a king or are you not? And Jesus said, if you knew what kind of king that I was, then you'd want me to be your king too. But he couldn't see. He had not received that touch that's unexplainable. Yeah. Now, if you come to the Christian faith desiring only a logical belief structure, and that's what people do, they'll come to me, and especially when people want to challenge us on something, they'll say, well, you know, the Bible says this in one part, Pastor, and the Bible says this in another. You know, in my 27 years of being a minister in the Methodist church and pastoring uh, small, medium, and large membership churches, I can tell you, they come, they come looking and they say, you know, what about this? And, you know, there's things we can't explain. You know, there, there's things in life that we can't. All we can do is share and say, but I know what I have experienced. I know what God can do. I've seen it. The natural reaction for people in life seems to be anything but satisfied, isn't it? You know, you know I like when we quote these Christian 
you know, verses or something of this nature, and deep down in our heart, you know, there's, there's a, little bit of, you know, a little bit of dread, isn't it? You know, we, you know, we quote something like this, and we're like, you know, there's no way that we can be satisfied in every situation of life. We always want more, right? There's got to be something else out there. We, we always are wanting that. And Paul says, why? Why is it not enough? Why is it not enough just to be in love with the people that are around you? To be in relationships that are giving you meaning and to know that you have a heavenly father that where he is, you will be also not because of what you want or you hope, but because he's made that promise to us. And he's faithful and he is just. We'll be touched by this. It passes all understanding. The second promise that he said was that God's peace will guard you and God himself will be your companion. Paul creates for us an image of almost a person that is besieged. And maybe that's the way we feel. Maybe we get up in the mornings and, you know, uh, uh, since I took the uh, executive, I, now I came from Meridian as the lead pastor at Central and took the Methodist Foundation position in August uh, and I, I forgot how much road rage I can have uh, driving from Gluckstadt down to Ridgeland. I, did, I, I had forgot that. Uh, but it came back. You know, so there, you know, there you are. There you are as a Methodist pastor going to do God's work. You angry at the world. That's not good, is it? You know, it's not. So we, have to, so we know. We know when we quote something like this that there's got to be a little something else that God says that he can do in the midst of it. And he says, hey, you are besieged. There is everybody out there that's trying to take your peace from you that want to make you doubt one another, to make you be fearful and to live in that fear and to move yourself out of relationship with people. And it's going to happen to you, but the good news is that if we will unite together, if we will be in love with one another, God himself will be engaged with us in the sharing of this good news. And the God that you and I serve never sleeps and he never lets us fight alone, and we praise him for that. That's knowledge that Paul says that you've got to have. The greatest battlefield that you and I ever face, that we ever face, is in our minds and in our hearts. A world that wants us to abandon what we know to be truth, a world that wants us to take and to twist it, even when it makes us feel uncomfortable. When we, don't, when we, know, when we know in our heart what is right to do, and we don't do it, you know, we struggle, don't we? We struggle with that. Our strength in the midst of these battles is the very present knowledge that God himself is with us. Even if the whole world abandons us, he said he would never leave us and never forsake us. You know, I've always wanted my whole time as a minister that, I, and Andy will tell you this and any pastor that you had, I, now, folks, let me tell you something. Preachers come and go. You know, church members move and we pass away. But it is Jesus and Jesus alone, which is the only name given under heaven, by which all must be saved and might be. And that's why we exist. We exist knowing that our God in the midst of this fight is telling us to go forth and to share this good news for the transformation of the world. And Paul says we have to understand this. Understand the conflict that we are in and don't forget the God that is surrounding us. 
He is our companion, our peace that will guard our hearts. And the last thing he said was a promise to have peace. Uh, we use a lot of church words because we're churchy people, you know that? We got, we got insider language. I, I've learned that with people who are not followers of the way. And they'll come into a church like this and we'll, you know, we'll say words like peace and forgiveness and sanctification and all these kind of things. And they don't know what we're talking about. Well, I started pondering that one day when a guy was asking me. And I started thinking, do we really know what we're saying? I mean, we use it too. We use the word peace like it's a marshmallow, don't we? You know, that's a fluffy good word. It sounds good. We even shared the peace. Well, we used to, didn't we? <laughs> you know, for COVID, we shared peace with one another. And we told each other, the peace of God be with you. And we would return and say, and also with you. It is a word that if it does not have substance to us, then it is just fluff. Paul's talking about real peace. Paul's talking about the peace that comes when you're in the prison cell and he is writing saying, be joyful wherever you are and in anything in your life. Give thanks to God because you will always have more good days out there than you will bad. And you, we all know that. If I admit the world, if this was my last day, I have of all men most blessed. I mean, I, I, I was raised up on a farm in Neshoba County. We were cattle farmers. Had a dairy up until uh, high school. And we were cattle farmers. I grew up like that on, on the red clay hills of Neshoba County and running around with my daddy and doing, uh, doing those kind of things. I had a grandma that would fix me, lived right up on top of that. She'd fix me anything I wanted. Thought I didn't do any wrong, you know. <laughs> I never missed a meal at my house unless I wanted to. Had plenty. Yeah. I had the love of a mom and dad, and I knew that they loved me and gave me a good education and uh, married uh, the love of my life and have had three healthy sons. If it all today, I could not tell Jesus, thank you enough. It's good. The Lord has been good to us. And what he wants us to have most of all is peace. God's peace. The kind of peace that's not that, that, um, that emotional moment in your life to where you just cut everything off. Because that's what we've said. You know, you got to disconnect. Just don't think about it. I, I, I love that. And somebody may have done you this way. Uh, I had some issue going on, and somebody come to me, and they said, you know, their advice to me was, well, you just got to quit thinking about it. Well, that's a lot of help, isn't it? You know? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I, if, I, you know, if, I, if I could stop thinking about it, yeah, you're right. That would help, but I'm still thinking about it. You know? So what do I need in my life? I need not to disconnect from it. I need to be able to embrace it and say that no matter what happens in the circumstance, that my Heavenly Father is still in love with me and still in authority and that His ultimate will for my life will be complete. And i got to be okay with that. Because you know? a lot of times we, we don't really want that, do we? You know? Uh, we, used to, we sing that song in the hymn book, you know, have, have thine own way, but truthfully, it's really have my own way, isn't it? That's what we want. It's hard. Nothing that Jesus asks of us, nothing that Paul says, take away the floweriness of it. Nothing that he is saying. He's challenging the church at Philippi, and he says to them that in the midst of your division... If you want to know how God can use you, then you need to focus in on being thankful for one another. 
of being thankful for your Heavenly Father, to know that even in the midst of this attack that's going on in your life and will happen every day of your life, your God is ever-present with you, and He wants to give you something that is real, a peace, a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that you feel, a peace that you can experience, a peace that points out to you all of the things that God has given to you and open the door for you, the relationships that you have had in your life. And I'm sure, I'm sure we're flooded with those, aren't we? Every day we're, we're flooded with those ideas and those relationships that God has given us. And that's what Paul's focusing in on. He's like, hey, we've got to be in this together. Because there's something out there coming. Keep reading Philippians after you get through here this morning. Keep reading. There's something else God has got for us to do. So that's what I remind you of this day. I remind you that as we come up to this time of Thanksgiving, and when we sit down and you've got your kids and grandkids and nephews and nieces or friends or whoever it is, or maybe you're like my mama who just doesn't want anybody around and you know, you'd rather just sit and watch westerns. You know, if that's what you want to do on Thanksgiving, do it. But in the midst of it, you need to think about how thankful we should be for one another. For one another. And come together as the church has never before and done that. And I challenge you, St. Matt's, on that. I challenge you. I challenge you that, that there is work to be done. That there is so much out there, so many lives that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's up to us to do it. May this be the greatest thanksgiving that you have ever had. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us, and we thank you for, for this moment. We ask Jesus that you would remind us of what we should be thankful for, and about how even in the midst of division, our focus should be on constantly, Lord, being your people and loving one another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you this morning, if you, uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have that desire this morning, I'll share with you what the gospel says about how we get into right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I also invite you as we do this, let us stand and sing our hymn of commitment together, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, hymn 89.